Andrew McGregor. And with each installation on this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts. Or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes, catch it on Stitcher Radio or other services along those lines on your smartphones or wherever you like. So I've got this new thing I've been working on and rolling out for the last little bit called The Impossible Reading. And uh, the way in which I speak about it most often is it is like uh, grabbing you and pulling you into a dream where all the answers that are beyond rational explanation exist. I had the pleasure to do one for Barbara Moore recently, and she said that it was the most profound reading she's ever had. How cool is that? Um, so go check it out. It's at thehermitslamp.com slash impossible, or if you don't remember that, just jump over to the service page and you'll see. It's a blend of art and channeled received messages and magic and divination all rolled into one. And I'm really excited to be doing them, and I'd love to hear what you think. So welcome to the next installment of the Hermit's Lamp podcast. I'm here with Donnelly De La Rose, and uh, Donnelly has been someone whose work I've been enjoying for a long time. And most recently, I've been really enjoying her little short videos on Lenormand, uh, which I've been following on Instagram, which if you listen to this podcast, you know, is, in my opinion, the pinnacle of social media and everybody should be there and should uh, come follow both of us there. Um, but for people who don't know who you are, Donnelly, um, why don't you give us a quick introduction? Thank you, Andrew. It's such a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, I'm just a big fan of, of your work. I just want to put that out there. You're a true pro. Um, I kind of fell into the cards through just experiencing my own readings through a local psychic who used tarot. Um, eventually wanted to learn more about the cards and um, ended up doing the podcast as a means of educating myself to the next level after the books. Uh, I had this, my little podcast, just uh, Tarot Tribe, Beyond Worlds, was very grateful that so many people within this tarot and card, cardomancy community are very willing to put themselves forward and share information. Um, at the time, a lot of the podcasts that had to do with tarot were um, geared at people doing readings and trying to get business for readings. But as much as I enjoy doing readings and get a thrill at connecting with the cards, my true passion and where I really get jazzed up is watching people learn how to connect through the cards themselves. And, you know, it became really apparent to me just in my work relations, I work in the medical field, that there's not really a lot of respect for the intuitive industry and um, people that use cards. And there was always a kind of a little bit of a tension if I told people that that was something I really enjoyed doing on the side. Um, I always get the feeling that people would consider it kind of an airheaded thing to do, oh, you're superstitious, but truly it has so much value for psychological growth and understanding situations and really educating yourself about the situations that we're in and making good choices that I was just really convinced and still feel this way that people just don't understand in our culture 
the value in connecting with yourself to dig deeper and that the cards are just a very clear storybook way of doing it. Yeah, I think I, I want to comment on that because I think that's a, really a true thing. I've been um, I've been really interested in sort of mind science stuff lately. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, cognitive biases, neurosciences. You know, even like sort of um, trying to deepen my understanding of like logical fallacies and you know all these kind of science things. And the tough part is is that so many of those people are uh, atheistic. In, in like uh in in that kind of worst worst for people who like spiritual things kind of way and so mm -hmm. it can be really tough because you run into these things where they're just like well you know blah 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 astronomy is astrology is bunk you know and you'd mm -hmm. be crazy to believe in it it's like wow how dismissive of of everything and when when I look at these the arguments that they put it so many of them are they set the anchors in a way that that don't resemble my practice. You know, so, you know, which is always kind of, kind of difficult. So, yeah. It really is. It really is. So it's part of that um, view of trying to um, broaden the audience of the cards. And I knew I couldn't do it for everybody, but I knew there were some people who may be open to it. The podcast was a main a means of rather than doing readings and telling people the answers, yes or no, the aim of the, the podcast was to educate people who are interested in connecting better with the cards or becoming better readers. So some that might have had a deck in their hand and didn't know what to do with it, or a pro who even had a very good skill using their cards, but wanted to take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. um, I learned very quickly that the best way to grow is through the wisdom of other people. So rather than repeating my own habits with the cards, I was able to really broaden what I did by learning from all different people. And it was very exciting to see that you could put cards down and no two readers would read them quite exactly alike, even though the messages may have some parallels to each other. Some people have a more psychological edge. Some people have a more fortune telling edge. Some people have... Um, they pull it out of the client more and some people do most of the talking. It's really exciting to me to see the, the variety of styles. I love that. This is why I love tarot conventions. I just want to hear everybody read. I want to see what they're pulling from those cards. Mm -hmm. So, and in terms of spirituality, I love talking about spirituality and I love learning about spirituality. I don't consider myself religious, but I'm very interested in, religions and the parallels between them. I think if I had to define myself, it would probably be more like an agnostic, like wanting to learn and, and, and understand different belief systems and, and being open to whatever might be out there. It's different than atheistic, which mm -hmm. is the, you know, we're here, it may just be all there is and then it's done. And even when I say that, I realize that may be a possibility, but Sorry. I think there's many, many possibilities. So, but, and, and, you know, the big questions are, where does this information come from? Um, nobody knows. People like to say that they know, but nobody truly knows. And we each have a belief system about, about that, just like you mm -hmm. would believe in a religion. I love those conversations. I just find those fascinating. But I want people to learn how to, to dig deep themselves and find answers. And they can take pieces they like and, and leave behind those they don't. And maybe they'll learn something that will help them identify with their own feelings, emotions, and situations, circumstances through systems like cards. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that I think is really um, fascinating about your story is that you, you're a real community builder. It seems yes. to me, you know, like you're, you're somebody who's out there 
putting stuff out and and sharing and and really you know creating a sense of you know a tribe or community or whatever mm-hmm. and you know I, I i really i think that's fascinating because it's sort of true of me in some ways but it's i think it's much less true you know i'm i'm more just doing my things and people are jumping in and out for what they like then uh then then it is sort of creating a community in the, in the way in which you go about it. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We were asked once at a, our local Massachusetts tarot group asked us to describe ourselves in one word, uh-huh. you know, as we went around the table, rather than saying, hi, my name is Donnelly. I, da, 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 you just, I blank. What do you do? Turn it into a verb or something. And mm-hmm. so it's went around and I'm thinking it's like teach, yeah, teach. But then I thought, no, it's actually probably bigger than that. It's like, I think I'm designed to inspire so that people then want to learn. So, and I think really good teachers pull things. I think that the, the teachers I had that really were the best teachers I had, and it really comes down to inspiration and the ways that they almost tricked you into learning because you were enjoying something so much or learning it in a sideways way that afterwards you're like, wow, I just had an epiphany and you felt you did it on your own. Mm-hmm. I love good Sure. Teachers. So how did you, how did you start stepping over from uh, tarot into Lenormand? Oh, you know, it's funny because I don't remember the first time I saw a Lenormand deck and Mm -hmm. I I keep trying to figure out what that moment was. But there are moments that I realized that I suddenly connected Um, when I was trying really hard to figure it out. And at the time, there was not English, good English resources on the Internet. It was the time I hit a Google dead end. I tried Google Translate and I found it was really wonky the way it translated. It wasn't making sense. I took Britta's course, Tarot Britta. She has a, um, a really nice, I think it was her, um, her Lenormand class. And it was translated, but it was a little bit wonky, but she's a fantastic, phenomenal teacher. And she's really amazing. But I, I remember it was, we were at a tarot convention at the Reader's Studio and we were in the hall. And I was very, very lucky that Rana George came that year. Mm-hmm. And she kind of knocked it into my head in a very fun way without even realizing she was doing it, I think. But um, we were doing a grand tableau. I was going through some really heavy stuff, uh, put my 36 cards down on the in the foyer and just invited people to help me see what they saw. And at the time, what I learned my issue was, is I was tarotizing the cards. I was turning them into tarot cards. Uh-huh. And when you read the tarot, it really is a journey that you weave in and out through each card and you kind of sink in the card and you see images and you, it's almost like a roar shark ink blot. You kind of identify with things you see and the emotive um, expressions that come through may change from reading to reading, even if you pull the same card. Lenormand is more succinct and blunt, where one card tends to carry the same single meaning from card to card to card reading. And so you you skim over each card like a word. So you're almost reading it like Chinese hieroglyphs, boom, 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 in order, rather than tarot when you put a spread down in a position means something and you're trying to connect the spread position with what the card is and what the person looks like and which way they're looking. Mm-hmm. We tried all that and we were kind of messing up the reading. Could yeah. have had a reading, but it wasn't a Lenormand reading. And Rana says, no, you're, you're, you're turning it into tarot. And she boom, 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 went through it. And suddenly it was really clear to me. And it became really clear to me the decks that I had that were messing up my learning experience because they were too cluttery and you couldn't have that really fast, big picture experience because it was too many things to see. Yeah. 
So, and then I was able to get into it when Rena um, agreed to do the podcast with me on the Lenormand and she did some stuff on the side with me and really tutored me in a way that I felt a true mentor could change a person's life. Um, we were able to get that podcast out, teach the world in English for the first time. Um, and we started watching this big ball roll and she was approached by a publisher wrote a book that came out a couple years after the podcast it sold out in 30 days had to go into its second second publishing so there was a real hunger for the system no it was a risk for me to talk about lenormand on that podcast because it was a tarot podcast and so we had a certain audience already with over 200 episodes of people expecting us to talk about it so mm -hmm. there were some people that weren't in the beginning as interested in, in following that. Well, it's fascinating to me because I, so Rana, Rana and Carrie Paris are the, the two people who really introduced me to uh, Lenormand. You know, I was, I was at a conference uh, in Dallas and Rana was doing a presentation and I ended up partnered with Carrie. So, which was great, you know, and I, I'd been aware of it for a while and I was kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't have time for anything else right now. You know, it was one of those, like, I'm like, it looks interesting. Lots of people that I think are, are interesting people are interested in it. So obviously there's some cool stuff there, but I'm like, eh, I, I don't have time, but you know, I was at a conference. So what else, you know, that's where there's time, right. To sit down and, and listen and, and be a part of it and stuff. And um, the thing that, that is interesting to me again, which was kind of not, not what I hear from a lot of other people was, um, Lenormand reflects one of the ways in which I read tarot, which is very straightforward, very simple to the point, um, very predictive and direct, you know, in the ways in which the, the Lenormand is like, huh, you're going to lose your job. You know, that like there, there is that aspect to the way in which I read. And so I was like, huh, interesting. So this is a tool that other people use, which, which I have been performing through tarot. And so I spent time playing with it for a long time. I, I don't, I don't do much of it anymore, but, um, but I spent a lot of time playing with it and kind of like looking at that. And it actually helped me understand the ways in which I read the cards more clearly and articulate them because I kind of stole some of the language from how the Norman people talk about them. I brought it over into my tarot practice, which was very fun. You can and, do that. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. for people who are listening to this, um, Rana was on the podcast. If you go to the, the website for it, or if you scroll back in iTunes or wherever, uh, you can hear Rana and I have a conversation from probably about a year ago. So. Yeah, but the funny thing is, you know, a lot of people when they do tarot, they have a um, small amount of cards because you can spend so much time chewing on each card. Yeah. Always did big spreads. So for each spread position, I would have four cards and I would read them like a sentence. But that was before I ever heard the word Lenormand. Yeah. <laughs> so going back, I realized I was reading them in the same way one would read Lenormand cards. So it, it was a very easy journey to slip into. And I love that you took it the other way that you can take the Lenormand and apply those aspects to your card reading style, you know, and change your style. It does. Here's what I, I, I love to, I'm at the point now where I realize that no two systems read exactly alike. So you'll get different information. You'll get the answer you need and they'll be kind of like parallels from different mm -hmm. systems, but they, they, certain systems can say things that others cannot, or they'll say it in a way that the other isn't capable of doing. Yeah. 
through the same reader. You're channeling the message directly through that oracle. So I learned that um, if you think of mind, body, and spirit, and I'm putting something together on this right now, where um, the tarot is the mind and the heart. You know, it's like the in, inner makings of a person and how you feel and your perception of what's happening, which is your reality, but it may not be the true external reality. It's your filter that you sure. see through. And I realize there's a lot of times, many times in the two don't align. People will think someone is doing or saying something and as an outsider, you can say, no, that's not true, but that's that person's reality. The Lenormand is more the external reality. And you may not agree with it because you may not feel that way, but it is what it is. I have had people when I was doing Lenormand readings, they would ask for a refund and say, no, that's not it at all. It's like, I don't, I, I don't <laughs> identify that. And then three months later, they'd be like, remember the part when you said this? It's like, it's a good thing you had it in writing because at the time I could not let myself believe that or see it, but that was the crux of the matter. And they would give me the money back. Yeah for the reading. So I understood very quickly that the inner and outer experience, if there's tension between the two that you see in the cards and they're different, there's a reason that there's there's not an agreement between what may be happening and how the person is actually perceiving that situation. And the two card systems used in tandem can give you some really heavy duty um, reality checks. It can mm -hmm. give you information about yourself to allow you to check in and see if you are being honest with yourself or are you using kind of your own filters, habits, even destructive tendencies if you have uh, negative self-thoughts, whatever. Sure. It, it helps you line all those things up. So what do, what do you do when somebody says to you, that's not my experience? Um, I try to explain to the cards what I see, but I can't go off of what the cards say. Yeah. I don't think it's ethical. I, there are some readers who do feel they should agree with the person. And I do feel that the, the readings get really messy if you allow the person to read themselves because they already come to you experiencing something. The cards say something else. I don't want to bend it. It's like yeah. a bend the truth. So I allow them to sit with it. I was always um, very good about returning money if they felt that it wasn't a fair reading you know uh -huh. i'd ask if you feel you need your money back some people said no let's just wait but i've never had anybody ask for a refund that um didn't then return the money later i had very honest clientele i had the same repeat customers most of the time yeah but i think you have to respect the person always make them feel respected for so, sure yeah but yeah you know you can get abused by that too i yeah. can see that could lead to I've never felt abused by it. Um, you know, I've, I had a reading oh, yesterday, the day before, recently. I had a reading where where the person was just like, "I don't, I don't understand what you're saying to me." You know, like they're not, that's not quite how they put it, but they're like, "That's not my life. My life is good. My life is this." And the reading was was basically saying like, "Your your life is mediocre, and you know it." And you're making it good. Like you're talking about it like it's good all the time, which is preventing you from seeing how you move ahead. And so, you know, but, but this comes up like this surfaces like 20 minutes into an hour long reading, right? So we've got a lot of time to sit there and have this conversation. And so with this particular person, I was like, okay. So this is one of those situations where you look like you're smiling you seem, you walked into the store and you seemed happy and whatever, but now the cards are saying something really different, right? And so, and I just started addressing it with them in that way and just sort of, 
asking them questions. And as is, as is often the case, if you're, you know, sort of, if you work psychologically as well as, you know, sort of predictively or whatever, um, their vocabulary just started revealing everything, you know, and it became one of those ones where I'm like, huh. So, so when I say your life is mediocre or whatever it was, I said exactly. And you say, no, no, it's, it's, uh, it's not, it's, you know, everything is, everything is whatever. Great. You know, da, da, da. I'm like, okay, well tell me about that. And then all the words you describe it with are like, well, it's okay. It's fine. It's, you know, I'm like, what, where's the greatness? Tell me about the greatness, you know? And, and then all of a sudden they couldn't find it. Right. Because it was a, it was a construct they were using to make themselves be able to feel okay about it. You know, and that, that process of deconstructing with them is wonderful. If you, if you have the time, if those are ways in which you work. Um, but I, I also love that you're like, yeah, come back and come back and tell me if it was right or wrong. I, you know, whatever. I'm easy about that. And you, I do try to deconstruct to a certain point, but I For sure. can't change what it says. And here's the thing, Andrew, I find tarot tends to be very polite compared to Lenormand. Uh-huh. So Norman can, sometimes I have to, in my head, not say what I'm reading because I don't want it to sound harsh, uh-huh. so, but you want to tell them the reality, you know, if something is bad about a person or situation in their life where there is some kind of risk that's going to um, be surrounding them or is surrounding them or was, um, you, ha- you have to um, find a way to word it so it's gentle with the person because you, you don't want the reading to be a harsh experience. You want it to be a revelation for totally. them. You, yeah. Like the, what you just said, the, if the improper reading, if the, if the reading, if the reader improperly gave that message, it would tell a person they are less than what they are and leave them feeling when they left like they are a less than person. Sure. Well, you, it is found that there was something lacking and that there was a purpose they were supposed to fulfill or something they were supposed to do that how to search for whatever that missing piece was. That's the positive way to for make, sure. make them yeah, a better person. Yeah. You always, you know, you always want to, um, you know, one of my, one of my teachers, one of my magical teachers used to say, is like, you don't want to take a person, take away. I mean, this might sound a little arrogant, but if you're if you're working with people or you're teaching people, you don't want to take away their crutch unless you're guaranteed that you can actually let them walk, you know, yeah. or have something way better for them. Because otherwise, like, why, you know, we all have our things that allow us to get through the day, right? You know, and and why disrupt those? Why step in and mess things up for a person, right? Right, yeah. right. And they do come to us because they want to find some kind of solution. They want an answer, yeah. but they also there needs to be some sort of a resolution or solution, some means of stepping forward. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally resonate with what you're saying about the uh, the wording piece too. Um, I mean, I, again, I, I probably tend to read the cards a little sharper than maybe some people do. Um, I think that's more of a Marseille style thing, you know, like a lot of that sort of that that history of reading and that way of reading tends to be a little more pointed maybe. Um, but also my guide steps in sometimes and is like, say this. And I'm like, I don't want to say that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and especially like, you know, I, I remember uh, somebody, somebody came in for a reading. They sat down. We were having our little sort of pre-chat, you know, you know, like the little conversation I have about why they're there and whatever. And and my guy just kind of leans in and says, "Ask them if they're ready to stop screwing around, or if they should just leave right now." And I was like, uh, "Okay." And so I'm like, "I really don't want to." And and she's like, "Just say it." 
And I was like, okay. And so I did. And then everything about that person changed. And they're like, yes, that's actually why I'm here. And I was oh. like, all right. Whew. That was a, that was an uncomfortable yeah. moment. <laughs> it's so true. You know, in the way, the traditional way I was taught to read the Lenormand is when the person sits with you, the first thing you do when the grant of love is go right to the worst card. Yeah. And, the, and the traditionally that was considered the clouds. I think the snake is the worst one, but they, uh, they used to feel the clouds was the, the real sticky area. So that's the zoom. They would, as soon as you sit down and um, it really gets to the heart of the matter fast. So you can start those conversations. Other people, People might feel that's a little little harsh but when i had uh rana give me a couple readings to teach me how to do it she um sent me pictures of the grand tableau and i actually had paid her for the readings at the time and she had, she had agreed to do it but i'm like I, I need to pay you for these and she taught me as she went through it and the the questions i had were really odd questions they weren't about love and they weren't about money sure it was a really weird thing about a document that i needed to put out and wondered about this and that and she she said, I don't want to know your question. Let's just see what comes up in the cards. She goes right to the woman card to see what, you know, was under me and what I needed to learn. And she went right. And the woman was on the paper, the document card. It's on the letter. She said, this is in regard to a document. You want to put it out. You're concerned about how people will perceive it if you put it out. And then she started to go and she talked about 10 minutes. And then she stopped and said, am I even close? Because <laughs> I hadn't said anything at that yeah. point. I'm like, that's exactly why I'm here. Like you, you couldn't have nailed it any better. So it kind of tells you the situation as well, but it gets right. It gets right to the heart of the matter. Yeah. And for people who aren't familiar with uh, Lenormand, um, because although it's gaining a lot of ground, it's just, it's one of those sort of interesting old world practices that's resurfacing, right? Kind yeah. of like reading the Marseille decks, you know, it's sort of like this sort of old European um, and maybe sort of more Eastern European um, and other places kind of practice. Uh, and the Grand Tableau is where you take uh, all of the cards and spread them out in a pattern. Um, the one that I know is um, three rows of seven. Is that right? And Four, then, eight. Yeah. And then and then a couple extra at the bottom. Yeah. And or you know there's some other options, but and the idea is if you look at uh, if the person in front of you is a woman, then you look at the woman card and you start to look at what's around them, and you sort of build out from there this idea that um, you know the cards on different levels and different. Uh, spacings can indicate different things. And each of those 36 places also has a meaning. Um, so like a, like a tarot, uh, like each position in the Celtic cross has a specific meaning. Each of those uh, cards has a meaning. So, and that meaning is based on the number of the card that it is, right? So, you know, if it's, if something is in the position that the, the rider card usually lives in, then those two start to interact with each other. So you get these very multi-layered, but very, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to diminish it. It sounds like I diminish it when I say bite size, but very accessible levels of information that are easy to speak in a straightforward way. Very basic and clear, right? Yes, and it's a lot like astrology houses. So the houses that those cards, you know, one, two, three, five, six, seven, like you said, the numbers are always in that order. And the card that happens to land on them randomly is like a planet floating through the astrology house. And you just put the two energies together. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And what's here's a, it, it kind of changed my whole perception of the future and how we kind of uh, stumble through this. Um, I was just talking to somebody about this. It's like an obstacle course you have ahead of you in your life. And you don't even know yet what the obstacles are, but you come piece by piece upon each one. And they're all in that spread. And so that's the time when sometimes you'll tell somebody about something that's coming and they don't even know that obstacle is, is 
on the way. Yeah. And it totally, totally changed the way I perceive time, the past, the present, the future, our life experience, the control we have over our lives, because we do have an amount of control over things, but there are also some things that are way bigger than us and involve many more people and circumstances, politics, other things. And we kind of have to kind of find our way through these already existing patterns and, and situations. And those are the things that do come up. And there are some things that come up that are warnings and some are very exciting things and gifts and things. Um, but it, it is all there. And what I would encourage people to do is really write down your readings and take pictures of them. Because when you go back and after you have an experience and you see that spread, you will see everything clear as day. I don't even know how the cards come down so precisely because if I had to take the deck of cards and make it happen, like I thought <laughs> I could explain it, it could not be done as well as it's like a, you know, the game Sudoku, Sudoku. Yeah. It's like the numbers have to be perfectly arranged to get it just right in every column. And it's like that. I don't know how they land so non randomly when you're putting them down in yeah. what appears to be random ways. I did a, a series of blog posts a while back, which you can, which people can find if they want to check them out on the sidebar of my blog page. Um, but uh, exploring like how does tarot work? Where does this come from? Right? You right. Know, and, and so I wrote like seven or eight pieces, sort of talking about different, different possibilities. You know, and I think that different readers work with different poss- different parts of them. Right? Some people work. You know, as we sort of said earlier, more psychologically, more this way, more that way. And then at the end of it, I was like, I kind of came to this conclusion where I was like, all right, so tarot is an engine that runs on mystery and spits out truth. And that is the complete explanation. That is as good as it's going to get, you know, because we just can't know, right? It's just not, it's not possible to nail it down more specifically than that. Yeah. And I would agree that Lenormand would fit that that niche as well, because it is so mysterious and it does spit out the truth. Um, We were doing even silly things like football games. I recently started watching football and learning about it. And Uh we started doing readings on them and learned very quickly. It it helped improve me as a reader. Um, We got eight out of games, eight out of eight games, correct. And on the ninth game, um, I told my boyfriend the reading. He says, oh, no, I know the Patriots are going to win. I know they're going to win. And so I, in my head, I'm like, maybe I'm reading it wrong. Okay, yeah. so ox and scythe, ends in scythe. And I'm like, maybe the scythe means sudden in this time. Maybe it doesn't mean danger. And so I threw out, and this is the mistake readers can make when you're listening to your Aquarian instead of what you see in the cards. I'm like, okay, so maybe it means sudden, but at the very end, a fox was there, so I knew it was going to be a near tie, like a real slick thing at the yeah. end. I shouldn't have, I'm like, okay, shouldn't have listened. I should have listened to the cards <laughs> because the cards are right. And then they lost and they were not going to the Super Bowl. And then when I look back, like all the cards said it, but we have to, I think, be sure to read what's there and, and the mystery that happens. And, you know, you think of things like life purpose and who are we and, and, and what, what lessons do we have? And I notice different people have different totally different lessons i have one friend someone keeps stealing things from her blog and her copyright and i haven't really had so much of that of an issue but i have other things that come to me again and again so each of us clearly has some kind of path we have to do things over and over and learn a different message and those mysteries do come through in in those readings Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that uh I, i like the idea of discovering your 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 real skill too you know 
like when you're talking about testing it against the Super Bowl or testing it against other things, you know, I think that being willing to really understand what you are capable of, what is real and what is not, you know, because there's always, you know, as I said, I've been studying these cognitive biases, right? There are a million and one ways in which we are, you know, perhaps even hardwired to fool ourselves, right? And we can work around those and we can learn to watch for them. Mm-hmm. But playing and experimenting in ways where like there's, there's the facts, you know, you had it right and you said you, you changed your mind and it was wrong. You know, that's amazing. You know, and I think that, I think that as we, I feel like tarot is kind of, um, or, you know, the divination community, at, at least sort of in North America is emerging from, you know, a journey that sort of set off in the sixties into psychology and away from other practices and other, other ways of being. And, and, you know, at its height was sort of really derisive of those other kinds of practices. And now people are really craving that other kind of stuff because let's be honest, it it exists because people want and need it, right? It exists because it can be helpful. You know, people all over the world aren't stupid for being interested in these things. They are just approaching it in a different capacity. And same with, you know, return of a, a sort of what I see as a more a uh, magical way of viewing the world and more magical practices as well, which I think is fascinating. So, yeah, yeah. and it's so true. And you know, I, there's such value to the psychological pieces of it. All of that is good. It's so good, and it doesn't exclude the value of the other things. But you have to have the belief system. Like I respect that some people just don't believe that the future exists until it happens. Yeah. Like I, I get that, and I respect that. I used to feel that way. I don't tend to, after seeing those patterns emerge that I kind of fall into the patterns that cards tell me it's it's going to happen in, or it'll happen in the order that they say, even though if I don't believe it's supposed to happen that way. So it, my belief system has shifted. It'll probably continue to shift until I expire someday. But the what it's hard, I think, is for people to, ethics is, is an area of that kind of falls into this category. People think ethics are the same across the board. And ethics, I think, can be um, something's more firm, but there's also a lot of thing, another thing that another person may find is very unethical that I feel is not unethical at all mm. or wrong, such as telling somebody that I just read in one of the books, I opened up one of my old tarot books the other day, and it said, don't predict a divorce. And I'm like, Ooh, but mm. <laughs> if it's there, it's like, and then how do you do that? And if the person's coming to you and they're asking about such questions, then, mm-hmm. then where do you go with it? So, you know, that different people do believe in different ethics. Well, and I think that especially if people are coming and asking questions, you know, I, I think that we need to trust that people are aware, you know, mm-hmm. if they, if they can't say that what's wrong, they still know something's wrong, right? Yeah. You know, if they can't say, you know, like, I find that I rarely say things to people that they don't already know. And right. and when I do say something to somebody that they don't know at all, then I'm like, okay, this is going to be a lot of work now, maybe. Or, you know, <laughs> like it starts to become a whole other set of considerations about how you handle that, right? But right. most of the time I'm, when, when stuff comes up, people are just like, oh, yeah. You know, and sometimes there's a little bit of like, you know, making sure that they understand it in their language, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, but people show up, they're grownups and they're, they're coming to pay for, 
somebody to tell them what's what. And, you know, I think that the, how many people do we know in our lives who like, I'm sure everybody knows somebody who's in a bad relationship and probably ought to get divorced and nobody will say anything to that person, even if they get asked because they don't want to go against the, the social norm and what's, what's comfortable or polite or whatever. Right. I mean, that's, that's why I think we're out there. I think that's why readers and diviners are, are an important part of, of it because we're usually not involved. We're usually not attached to the outcome and we can be just like, they're a loser. When are you going to get away from them? You know, or whatever. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all that stuff is very interesting to me. I mean, I'm always interested in what people believe, but I am not always convinced that, you know, um, it's fair to judge certain things negatively. Um, but it's okay for yourself, you know, not to do certain things. If someone, the fortune telling aspect you mentioned, you know, people are very derisive and, and, and negative about people who consider themselves fortune tellers and said, I am not a fortune teller. I'm a tarot counselor. I'm this mm-hmm. and that. I actually um, have great fun with the word fortune teller. I think it's a little bit amusement parky sound. Uh-huh. And yet I think people um, have fun with that when you're, you're sitting with them and doing it. And then the seriousness of what you're doing does start to come to through as they experience the living story, the, their stories and pictures right before them in perfect order. And as you pointed out, it then there's suddenly there's a reality check and maybe there's something there. Hmm. So it's the experience, I think, that opens people up. But I, I don't mind the, the word fortune teller and I don't mind um, the word psychic. Some people use the word intuitive. I do think there's more respect for the word intuitive than there is for the word psychic in general. Yeah, I think that that's that's a piece of cultural baggage, right? Yeah. You know, sure. I mean, if you, if you're, again, that's where we start to get into like, what is, what is Western culture and what is Western culture centric, you know? And like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've talked about this in various places on the podcast in the past, but you know, the store that I read at when I first started was like 80% Caribbean clientele. Right. So I would be getting, um, you know, like lots of people from the Caribbean coming in and sitting with me for readings and what they wanted and what they felt was the way it should work and and their expectations were so non you know non mainstream western approaches right they wanted they wanted to not ask a question they wanted me to tell them why they were there they wanted them to tell them how to fix it especially spiritually in many cases and um and, and they wanted and and especially like many of them would just sit there like a rock and be like I'm not telling you anything. Tell me why I'm here. Tell me how to tell me what I need, you know? And so, and, and because I had sort of come into it, not from being in a community of tarot people, but from being a, you know, an independent person studying and practicing reading cards and, and magic and, you know, sort of Crowley type stuff. I was just like, Oh, okay. Let's see what I can do. Let's just see how it goes. Let's, but that's what they want. That's the job. Okay. I can, I can, do something like this. And so, yeah. you know, you, you can stretch into all sorts of other ways. And sometimes some of those conversations feel culturally biased, you know, like people who, you know, when I have conversations with people who are from, you know, from Africa or from Eastern Europe or Asia, you know, and, and their ideas and expectations of, of these processes, you know, not that everybody should, should read that way because you read the way that works for you, but There's a whole world out there of people who are expecting fortune telling and not in the like the sort of like 
hee hee hee, we're at a carnival and this is just going to be for fun. But in a like, you know, I need to do this, you know. I, I had a client come in the other day and they they wanted a reading on what they should do with like a million dollars of their investments. And I was just like, oh, okay, no pressure, right? And they laughed and I laughed and, you know, and I, and I know that they – that this is one point of their consideration factor, right? You know, they're not coming to me and like basically being like, I'm, you know, fix my life and whatever, but they come because they they want that other set of input, right? And that becomes one of the pieces of their, their process, right? Towards figuring things out. And, you know, I think those things are, are fascinating and profound. Well, and the whole cultural aspect, you know, I, I worked for years on the free reading network and the free tarot network at first as a reader and then as a mentor to other readers. And you get uh, readings from people all around the world. So it's people that ask for email readings, one question, and you would um, respond to people you've never met, um, the country they came from, maybe so far removed from what you experienced that um, what may be appropriate here may not even be possible there. And it really became clear to me when I was reading for women who were in arranged marriage situations or about to be in an arranged marriage situation and they had really bad feelings about it and what did I see? And um, I had a clientele from India and from Middle Eastern countries. And I remember um, the feeling of trappedness and if there was something bad that was coming, there was often not much they could do. There was really not much yeah. of a choice. It makes a very difficult reading. Yeah, for sure. You've got to respect where the client's actually at too, right? Yeah. You know I mean, it's uh, it's like you were saying earlier, but not being judgmental and just sort of being really real with them about what's going on. It's like, well, you know, how do you, how do you moderate that? How do you, you know, is there advice to help them make it easier on themselves in some way where, you know, changing the direction of their life isn't really under their control. And again, I think that's something that people, people in North America experience for sure, you know, especially around poverty and, you know, other, other social justice issues, but in other parts of the world, it is so, it could be so much more obvious as opposed to sort of like the the North American North American mainstream culture, well, we're all free and we just buck up by our bootstraps and get on with it. Mm. It's not it's not true of people here either, but it's even less true in some other parts of the world for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it sure is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the resurgence now with all the Lenormand, there's several books that are available now that are making. Uh, more information available to people. There's a lot of English blogs, books, uh, information. So uh, you can go to any Barnes and Noble now and you'll see in the tarot section will be Lenormand books, Lenormand yeah. desks and, and access to stuff like that. Um, which brings me to, I also was recently approached by um, U.S. Games and I'm putting together a book for the first time of my own. It's not something I was planning on doing. I had many people ask, but I'm like, I don't think I want to spend the time on it. And um, they've been really amazing and supportive. So um, there's a book that will be coming out. I promised I would finish it by the end of summer. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and what I hope to do is provide people also with exercises and thinking strategies and ways that they can actually um, start using them at home. That's great. I'm sure it'll be wonderful. I hope. Yeah. I hope and the book that 
I haven't read all the books on Lenormand because, as I said, I sort of have stepped back a little bit from it, you know, put my attention in other places. But uh, Rana's book on, on the Lenormand is just wonderful, you know, and it's yes. it's so nice to I – mean, there are other books and they're, they're, all, they're all good. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of the books that I've looked at. Um, but Rana comes from a family tradition of reading Lenormand and that – depth of experience and that sort of being raised with it is just a sort of continuous and natural part of your life mm -hmm. um, shines through in her stuff and in her writing. And, you know, for me, that's a, that's a place where, you know, it's a level of skill and explanation that, you know, I, in my mind, I imagine that she had it explained to her as, as a child and as a teenager and as an adult and on all those different levels, and all of those different explanations that come from her practice, her teaching, and the way in which she was taught by a few people, you know, really come out in the writing and stuff, which is pretty awesome. So, yeah, yeah and she's very um, generous with her knowledge. There's nothing secretive or mysterious. There's some people that may be more possessive over the knowledge that they have, or that it should stay over in the, uh, the other continent and not come over here. Um, she's very open about uh, how to use it. She wants people to be inspired by it. She wants to see people playing around with the deck and using it. And then she has a very um, inspiring, open mannerism of teaching. It's just mm -hmm. like wide open. What do you want to know? For sure. Awesome. Well, I'm totally looking forward to uh, reading your book when it comes out. It will spark a new, uh, a new cycle of Lenormand in my life. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, for people who, who would like to hang out with you, where, where are you online these days? Where's, where's a good place to come and I'm less online than I used to be because I do have a really exciting life going on in my private life right now, uh -huh. but I pop in Facebook just about every day. I put something there. Usually it comes through Instagram. Like you said, the, that kind of portal that we all go through. It's what I like about Instagram is it's really fast. And in a, a time when people really may not want to sit for 19 minutes and watch a whole 19 minute reading in a video, 15 seconds is your limit. So you get a daily something that goes up for a maximum of 15 seconds. And I find that people are responding very favorably to that brief moment of information and, and then it starts conversation so i'll i'll put a 15 second video every day on tarot and on i mean sometimes runes and it will feed over to my uh, facebook page i'm always uh, popping in and out of facebook if people need to get me there um, i have a blog that i had not done for maybe two years because of the busy stuff i was doing on the side and i ended up um, starting putting a few things up on my blog again but a lot of my time right now is being devoted to getting that book down and making sure that i get it back to us games so time consuming i'm uh i'm in editing of my of my second book that i'm putting out which Hope I'm. I almost don't want to say it, but I, maybe I'll, maybe it'll help me be accountable. I'm, I'm hoping that I am somewhere between six and eight weeks out from having it published. Awesome. Um, but it's like something came up last week and just derailed a whole whole week's awesome. worth of editing, and I'm like, oh, you know, there's there's like six or eight hours that I now behind the the eight ball again. You know, and it's just, it's always the way, right? Books sitting and doing stuff like that. It's so hard to carve the time out and keep the time. Yeah, it so. really does take a lot of uninterrupted time. So a lot. One of the things that I was concerned about is I was asked also to write the history of Alenamon. Okay. And, you know, I contacted Stuart Kaplan because I just said, you know, there are diviners and there are historians. And even though I may have read about her history, I just don't feel like I'm maybe the person to write that piece. And he says, yeah. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to send you some materials from my personal 
archive and you can read her biography as was written over there and we had it translated and he says you can keep it and try it and build it from that and when he sent it to me I, I was blown away um i thought he was going to send me xerox copies of things so i could highlight he sent me actual parchment paper written in quill in her script that she wrote herself <laughs> letters that people wrote to her asking that they could meet with her to yeah. have them I'm reading it at her bookstore. Um, the whole biography that was written in French and it was translated in, um, by a professional translator in type. Um, and I'm thinking, like, I, I, I'm afraid to touch everything because it's so sacred and Do you have old. those little, little cotton gloves that they have at museums, you know? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the most amazing sacred stuff. So um, Stuart Kaplan has been just amazing, and U.S. Yeah. Games and, and Lynn uh, Sparrow has been amazing, too, and very supportive just to make sure that it happens and that it happens accurately. And well. Yeah. well, you know what's going to be wonderful then? The uh, the, the magic of, of her is going to rub right off into that yes. history piece, right? Like, you know, you're, you're probably getting wiser by the second. <laughs> Well, they do say the best way to learn is to teach. So you do find yourself getting all the little details to make sure you got it right and stuff. And when it comes down to something like history, I want to make sure I get it get it right. Yeah, for sure. It forces you to not go like, well, you know, 1842, yada, yada, 1975, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I actually need to need to say that clearly and articulately. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Awesome. Fun. It's a lot of fun. And the, the thing to remember, too, um, is that she probably never used the system and yes. uh, has probably never seen the images that we're reading from today. She had her own system that um, it's kind of like I compare it to, you know, if we wanted to buy a magic set for our, our children. You would get like the Houdini magic set because he was so well known. He was like the best magician. And she was a very well-known Sybil. She was the psychic of, the, of that time period of that century. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's named after her and whether it was done in her honor or as a marketing scheme uh, or maybe a little bold, who yeah. knows. Um, but it, it, the thing for people to remember is this system was developed um, after her death. So, yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, thank you for making the time to hang out today. Thank you. Totally fun. Thank you. And I uh, look forward to learning more from you. The Marseille is something I've always wanted to dig deeper into. So you're going to be my go-to source to get all that juicy information. Awesome. All right. For sure. Well, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And if I can ask you a favor, if you've enjoyed what's going on here, tell people about it. Help spread the word. Uh, one of the best things that could happen would be to go to iTunes if you're going from there and give the podcast a rating. Um, but, you know, sharing it on Facebook or mentioning it on Twitter or any of those kinds of places um, is, is really helpful because for me, I want to share this as far and wide as possible. And, uh, you know, there's only so much I can do of that myself. So if you're enjoying it, if you've uh, gotten some, some helpful stuff out of this, you know, uh, please do consider sharing that and saying, what you got out of it and why people might want to check it out.